We're going to look into some truly amazing things uh, this morning. We're, you're probably full on into your Christmas shopping and celebration and all the things that go on, the parties and different things going on. And right now we're going to stop and look at really the backstory of Christmas, what was really going on uh, when Jesus was born. How, how do you know that someone cares when you're in, in a crisis? How do you know that? You know that they care because they come over to your house or wherever you are and they try to help. That's that's how you know someone really loves you. That's love. Well, Christmas is proof that God loves us like that. That's really the heart of what Christmas is all about. Jesus steps into our world. That's one of the things that's happening at Christmas time. Uh, a couple thousand years ago, he, he stepped into our world, God himself, we find in Scripture, who steps into our world to be with us, to, to meet our need, to help us where we're at. Matthew 1, 18 through 21, or 18, actually 18 through 23, we're going to read real quick. It, it says this, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Let's stop right there for a second. Jesus is his human name. It's a common, very common name in his day. It'd be like Joe or Randy. Randy's a pretty common name for my generation. Um, Or Randall, whatever you prefer. Um, Very common name. That's his human name, Jesus. Christ, that we talked about in verse 18, that's his official title. It, it refers to the fact that he is the one that God had promised centuries before who would come into, he would come onto the scene, he would come into the world, and he would save us from our sin. He would bring in the kingdom of God and make things right. He would begin, he would begin to make things right. So, this is the one God had promised. Then it goes on in verse 22, 23. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Emmanuel wasn't really one of his names. It wasn't his middle name or anything like that. But it's a descriptive term. It speaks to his identity. Jesus, his common name, that's what you call him if you saw him at the, the grocery store or the market, the bazaar. I'm sure they didn't have a grocery store at the time, but uh, you, you, would, you would call him that. That's just what you call him every day. Christ, his official title. Emmanuel is what he became to be known as. His, it, it speaks to his very identity as God. It's like saying, this is God with us. Emmanuel. This is God himself who has stepped into our world and who is right here among us. 
That, that's an amazing thing. That, that really is an amazing thing that we should stop and think about. Christmas is proof of God's love for us and his faithfulness to us. We needed him. Every, the Bible says every person on the face of the earth has gone their own way. They rebelled. And that cuts us off from knowing God. Well, what God did is he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who stepped into our world to live a perfect life and die the death that he did so that we could know God, so we could be connected with him, so that we could have a relationship with him. That is proof of God's love. He, he stepped into the world to fulfill a centuries-old promise that God made. The moment that we decided to rebel, you look way back in Genesis 3, the very beginning of the Scriptures, you can see the promise there that, that God would make this right. He would make a way for us to continue to know Him. And He did it through Jesus Christ and His birth. That was the beginning of, of God stepping into our world to make things right. He, he, he still does that. He, he's, he's still right here. If you've, if you've decided to follow Christ, His Spirit lives in you. God with us. He's in us now. And he, he wants you to turn to him in the midst of the scariness and the hairiness that's going on. You know, the economy's got us all in a, uh, a frenzy. And we get concerned about that. We're worried about it. And it's concerning. We have an unknown economic future. We have an unknown future in other ways. We have stuff going on in our personal lives, our relationships, conflicts, struggles. Things, things tend to go haywire. You know, the, Things tend to unravel on this world, relationships, life. And, and he wants to step into your own world and begin to help you bring it together. That's what happens when you decide to follow Christ. He, he begins to help you figure out how to put things together in your life. And as you follow him, life gets better and better and better. But Jesus is proof that God loves us and that his promises are not empty. They're very real. And when he promises something, he will come through. In his birth and in his life and death, we, we learn some things about God. Jesus shows us the extent of God's love. And here, here's how he does it. We're going to look at Philippians 2, um, 6 through 8 right now. I, I can't go through a Christmas season without having this verse Come, come to mind over and over and over again because this is what was happening at Christmas time, the very first Christmas when Jesus was born. It describes what was going on. We, we like nativity scenes. So we have a couple, two or three of them in our house. And I, I really like them because, uh, the, the characters in the nativity scenes generally are all facing the manger and they're looking down at the manger. I, I love that because this is what it's all about. It's about, it's about him. We have, we sing carols and we have Christmas parties and all that stuff's really good. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm in my holiday mode on my weight. And so I, I really enjoy all the, <laughs> that's, that's something I just came up with. It's holiday mode. <laughs> um, but I, I love that stuff. You know, all the candy, all the goodies, the good food and parties. And 
We sing carols. We have uh, lights, stars. I put up my lights yesterday because my daughter's coming home. And even though we have a wedding coming up in January in our family, we got a lot of preparations being made. She wanted the lights up. Hey, for the love of Lou, I put up the lights. The love of my daughter, Lindsay, I call her Lou. Um, but anyway, we celebrate. We, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But at the heart of it is what you find in Philippians 2. This is, this is the real story of what was going on that first Christmas. So let's look at it. Jesus showed God's love, first of all, by setting aside his privileges. He set aside his privilege. It says in verse 6, it's talking about Jesus, says Jesus Christ at the end of verse 5. Uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now, since Jesus was God, he reigned over the universe. He needed nothing. He, there was nothing that he needed. He was not lacking anything. He was on the receiving end of all the praise and glory of heaven, all the praise and glory that people were giving from earth to God. He was on the receiving end of that. He set aside all of what it meant to be God. He let it go. He set it aside. And he was born to a very poor family. And that manger that you know, everybody's looking at in the nativity scenes, that manger is an animal feed trough. The God of the universe was born and placed in a big dog dish, basically. A big animal feeding trough. And, and that's, that's how God entered our world. It's an amazing thing what God has done. This shows the character of God. That he is good and loving. And very kind and faithful to his promises. I was reading uh, about a reporter who interviewed a man who was kind of like a headhunter guy. He, he would find people for jobs. He was a job counselor and helped companies and people match with jobs that were out there. And he was really had a knack for it, very successful at this. And so the reporter asked the, the man the secret of his success. And he replied, if you want to find out what a worker is really like, don't give him responsibilities. Give him privileges. Most people can handle responsibilities if you pay them enough. But it takes a real leader to handle privileges. A leader will use his privileges to help others and build the organization. A lesser man will use privileges to promote himself. You, you see what God did here in the person of Jesus Christ? All of the privilege of being God. All of the rights. He entered our world and laid there in a manger. He gave up his rights and privileges as God. And he stepped into our world because he loves us. And he wants us to connect with him. He wants us to know him. Jesus used his power and his privilege for the sake of others. For our sake. So we could know him. That's what God does. This, this shows us the heart of God. It shows us how good he is and how kind and loving he is. He was unlike Adam, the first man, 
who, being human, sought to be God. That was the temptation. You'd be like God. He reversed all that. And being God, he became like man so that we could have a relationship with the living God. Another thing he did, he took the nature of a servant. In verse 7, you see, it says, he, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You read through the four Gospels. It might be a good thing to do at Christmas. Just read through even one of the Gospels. You will find Jesus serving others. You will not see him being served at all. He is serving everyone around him. He's at the beck and call of all kinds of people. He's at the beck and call of fishermen, harlots, tax collectors, the sick, the grieving. He is there to serve and to help. Because what he did is he he took on the very nature of a servant. Now, what do we do sometimes? We get up in the morning, we're feeling good about life. I'm going to do a good deed today. And I'm going to do a good deed. I hope it gets recognized and appreciated. We do an act of service. It's very different from taking on the nature of a servant. Because if you take on the nature of a servant, if you become, if you actually become a servant, then you keep serving, whether or not it's appreciated. You, you keep showing kindness to people, whether or not you get what you want out of it. That's what Jesus did. He took on the very nature of a servant. And he served. Mark 10.45 says that Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not, not just acts of service, deeds, but he took the very nature of a servant on. This is, this is what he was all about. Jesus also humbled himself and sacrificed his life. In verse 8, you see that. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You get the sense from this verse that he kept choosing humility and obedience. He kept choosing it. As he faced the choices all along the way in his life, he, 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 he could have chosen pride. But he kept choosing humility. And he kept choosing obedience. He kept saying yes to God's plan and purpose for his life. All along the way, this, this is what we're going to have to do if, if we really want to bless others and if we decide to follow Christ, this is what we do. We do what he did. <laughs> That's what it means to follow. You follow someone, you do what they do. And so if you're going to follow Christ, you do this same thing in your relationships, in your world. As you connect with people, you do the same thing that he did. We've got to keep choosing humility, set our heart on obedience, because Jesus wants his followers to do what he did, to do the same, to do the same thing. You see that in uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. We're going to back up now. What we've seen, what we've been looking at is the example that follows the command that we're going to read in verse 3 through 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That, that word, consider, 
It says, in humility, in verse 3, in humility, consider others better than yourself. It's the word that means to lead. And in other words, it's, it's, I think what the, what the idea is, is that you're leading thought. The thing that should guide your thoughts and lead you in your attitude toward others is this deciding in humility that I'm going to treat them like they're better than me. Now, I mean, in reality, they aren't. We're all the same before God. But in humility, you consider them. That's what leads you in the way you decide to treat them, your attitude toward them. And our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If you've decided to follow Christ, this is it. Jesus' pattern was this. He humbled himself and he aimed to live for God's purpose. This is the pattern that we should follow if we want to follow him. We set aside our privileges. We take the very nature of a servant. And we humbly sacrifice for the people around us. That's what Jesus did. That's what Christmas is really all about. And it's a, it's a great thing to celebrate. It's a really good thing to, to enjoy. But this is what it takes to live out Christmas as we go through this season. In each arena of life, God wants us to choose that. In, in marriage, a Christian marriage, if you decided to follow Christ, a Christian marriage, the scripture says, is, is to be an illustration for the world to watch of the kind of love that God has for his people. So Christian marriage isn't about me. It's not about us as a couple, but it's about God and about making him look good by the way we relate, relate to each other. So to pull that off, okay, <laughs> to pull that off in a marriage means I've got to set aside my rights and privileges daily. I need to choose to be a servant and I humbly sacrifice for my wife. That's what it means to follow Christ in that arena. I, I lay these aside because God has a bigger purpose for my marriage. And you know, if I do those things, I, I get blessed as well. The marriage is good. It's enjoyable. We, we can really have a good time as we set out doing what God called us to do. In parenting, God's purpose, again, is not, it's not about me. It's, it's about um, raising up godly offspring, a godly generation of people who will serve him and make a difference. It's very inconvenient to do that. <laughs> I mean, to train and explain, I mean, you got to keep explaining things to the little ones, you know, they keep asking questions, you got to explain. Right when you're ready to go somewhere, they, they've got a problem, it's a bad time for a problem, they don't really care. It's a good time or a bad time. They don't really care. But I, if I set my heart on doing what God wants me to do, it's not about me. I lay aside my rights and privileges. I, I decide to serve. It's in the best interest of my child if they learn how to be obedient, if they learn how to love their brother or sister rather than beat them. So I get involved in training. I, I do what I've got to do because that's what God wants done. 
So we, we live this pattern out that we see in the Christmas story. Actually, you don't see it in the story itself. This is the backstory we're looking at. And this is what it's all about. If at work, work is all about God's glory. If you follow Christ, you go to work, not for yourself, not for your boss, your earthly boss, but you have another boss behind the scenes. It's God, God himself. Whatever you do, you work for his glory to bring him honor. And so there's no excuse to give less than everything I have to this job. Whether or not the boss is showing appreciation, whether or not the co-workers are cooperating, no matter what's going on there. Now, there may be a good case to find another job, but I can't go to my job and not do my best because here's this pattern. I lay my rights and privileges aside. I take on the nature of a servant. I'm not just going to do a couple things to make work better. I, I take on the nature. When I go to work, I look for ways to serve the best interest of the company, the best interest of the boss, the best interest of the people around me. I am trying to find out how to make this happen because that's what pleases God. That's what brings him glory and honor. It's not about me. It's about him. Ministry, if you really want to bless others, this is what you do over and over again. You connect with people. You see their needs. You lay aside your rights and privileges. You take the very nature of a servant, and you humbly sacrifice for them. Now, sometimes serving them means that you bring up uncomfortable issues. It doesn't mean you lay down and you're a doormat and everybody walks over you. That's not the way you serve. But what it does mean is you set your heart to fulfill God's purpose for that arena of life, and you give yourself to it. And sometimes that may mean talking about some pretty hard stuff, working through some hard things. But you do it out of a love for God and out of a deep appreciation for what Jesus Christ himself has done when he was born and placed in that big dog dish, <laughs> that big feeding trough. He, he stepped into our world to show us God's love, to show us how to live. Because if you make it a pattern to do this, you find life. Jesus told us that you give up your life and all of a sudden you find it. You lose it and you have it. But you try to hang on to it. See, when he, when he refused to grasp being God and he let it go, he showed us how to find life. When you let it go, you begin to live. You begin to find out what life is all about. There are some next steps that maybe you want to take this morning. This is what Christmas is all about. Maybe God's spoken to you as I've walked through this pattern of, of Jesus Christ. On your connection card, on your listening guide, there are some next steps. If God's put this in your heart, then maybe you want to let us know that you'd like to take one of these steps. But the first one could be, I, I will set aside my rights and privileges. I'm not going to make it about me. But I'm going to look at my arenas, my family, my work, my friends, uh, whatever it is, my ministry. I'm going to look at that. And I'm going to try to figure out what does God want. And I'm going to set aside my rights and privileges. I'm not going to make it about me, but I'm going to make it about what God wants here and live that way. Maybe a step you'd like to take is to look for ways to serve. 
You've got things coming up, family events, different parties at work, things going on here in church life. Take on the nature of a servant. Don't, don't just set your heart on doing a couple of good things this Christmas. Take on the very, take on the very nature of a servant. How do you, how do you do that? That means you just keep serving and you keep giving and you keep taking care of people. Another step is you could humbly sacrifice for the people in your world to do what God wants. We've got to keep choosing that. Maybe you have had some choices in the last week or you can see some things coming up and you, you may or may not feel like choosing humility and obedience. Probably don't feel like doing it. I'm gonna, I am going to humbly sacrifice myself for these folks and love them the way Jesus Christ has loved me. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your truth because it does set us free. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in, by stepping into our world. Thank you for the life that we have and the life that you give through your your sacrifice, your humble obedience, even to the the death on the cross. Father, I pray that you'd give us the power that we need to follow you. God, this is an amazing example you've given us. Lord Jesus, help us by the power of your spirit to do what you did and to love, really love the people around us, God. We ask for the power to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.